Welcome to the other party out of vibe. When you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light so we gon' shine. Brand new Mac and know it's looking clean. It's the after party. Live from the mountain. Hey, it's Chris, and welcome to the after party. It's official. It's finally happening, and it's permanent. The testing is over, and you guys really came through. Uh, the feedback was amazing. So many people were like, when is the after party coming back? We want it. We need it. Uh, it's perfect for the commute. And Or one, one person said, hey, they shut off YouTube at my office, and so <laughs> the only access to Daily Tech is through the podcast. So yeah, here it is. We are back and you can count on it from now on. I'm going to be recording this every single Thursday and it will go live every single Friday. So put it on your calendar. Make sure that you're subscribed. The links for all the different ways that you can get this are going to be down in the description, whether here on YouTube and watching or listening um, through your favorite podcasting app. And yes, for everybody asking, um, once this episode goes live, it will be available in Apple Podcasts. We're going to get it submitted. It may take a couple of days or whatever, but it's going to be there. I am super excited for the podcast. And let me tell you why. For one thing, it's just a change of pace for me because I do a lot of videos, videos, videos all the time. And when you eat, sleep, and breathe the same thing, um, it can get a little tedious. You know, you know, it's just different too, recording a podcast than it is uh, just, you know, shooting a video, sitting there in front of the camera and, and kind of doing the same kind of thing all the time and not having to worry about the B-roll. And it's just a different thought process for me. So let me talk about what you can expect um, from this podcast and the format and uh, just moving forward. So in this podcast, we're going to start off talking about what happened with Daily Tech in the previous week. It's just going to be a few minutes of catch up and kind of some behind the scenes information, let you guys know uh, what's going on uh, with Chris and Daily Tech. And then we're going to move into our tech topics. So we're probably going to hit five or six or seven things from the last week that have been in the news that people are talking about. And I'm going to give you uh, my opinion about them. So, so I guess in a way, this is kind of a way for you to catch up on some of the most important Apple and tech-related uh, news. Um, but at the same time, it's really also kind of editorial and just kind of me filling you in on what I think kind of acting as a filter for you about all this latest stuff. So today we have some interesting tech topics coming up, and I'll try to link these up in the description if you want to skip around. But we're going to be talking about some uh, design features, the, the the attention to detail that Apple pays to design in particular, giving some examples and just kind of hashing that out because it's really fascinating. And it's part of what makes Apple so unique. We're going to be talking about uh, iOS 13.2, the beta, and the little icon that leaked within there that Apple probably didn't want people to see yet that maybe probably kind of sort of hints at the next version of AirPods. And so that's going to be interesting to discuss. We're also going to talk about uh, something that Bloomberg wrote about this week, talking about the default apps that come preloaded on your iPhone and whether or not that is giving Apple an unfair advantage. Uh, That's quite a discussion. So stay tuned for that. And Microsoft had a big week this week. They unveiled some really interesting uh, new product designs, um, several actually. So we're going to talk about that and the competition that they're offering Apple in the industrial design world. The Apple Watch Series 5 uh, just came out. I did my review. I did a buying guide. And uh, we're going to talk about the battery life because there's been some issues potentially with the battery um, people are complaining that they're not getting the all-day battery life that Apple advertised 
Now, it's not everybody. And I'm going to tell you my experience and my thoughts on that. And then at the end, I did ask for some Q&A questions. I should have given you guys more time. Um, if you're not subscribed on YouTube, that is where I asked in the community tab there. So I did get a few questions in, and I'm going to answer those. That should be pretty fun. And I'm going to end this podcast and every podcast by sharing uh, what's what music I've discovered this week, because I think that's fun. People ask me about the music that I feature in the videos and, and listen to all the time. And then tie that into kind of some advice and some motivation that you can take into your work week. So I think that'll be a fun way to wrap up uh, every episode and kind of connect on a different level. And before we get any further, I have to give a shout out to Trey Little. He came up with this amazing intro music for the podcast, which you'll be hearing uh, every time we fire this up. And wow, it's it's good. It psychs me up. It gets me into the mood for the podcast. Hopefully it does for you guys too. If you want to check out Trey, his link will be down in the description for you too. And I highly recommend it. He just came out with a new song, Mad Lit, which is definitely lit. So I want to kick things off by just talking about what's been going on at Daily Tech this week. And uh, if you guys haven't noticed, there's kind of a new format with the videos. And this happened kind of by accident. And then people told me they really liked it. I never get feedback like this, uh, where people are just like, wow, I love the look of this video. It's so clean, it's professional. Not everybody. Um, of course, whenever you make a change, uh, somebody isn't going to be happy. You can't please everybody. Um, but for the most part, I mean, 99% of people have been super happy with this new design. And I don't mean nice and white and well lit. What I actually mean is pure white, absolute white. And it really looks kind of apple and the way that this came about is kind of funny. I didn't get an invite to the latest Apple event, and I started messing around with the green screen. And I was like, well, what if I can kind of make it look like I was there? And the net effect was that it didn't really look like I was there. But uh, as I got to playing around with the green screen and doing some cool text effects and stuff, um, this new style sort of just emerged. And it's cool for me because I feel like this is sort of my style. I haven't really seen anyone else doing this. In fact, I'm waiting for someone to go ahead and start copying it because whenever there's something new on YouTube, it's not too long before uh, that happens. And it's not like I was the pioneer of green screening or anything, but this kind of a look with the bold text um, and overlays and stuff, it, it really feels like mine and something that I can take ownership of, which I like. All right, let's move on to the tech section of the podcast. If you guys don't like that intro where I kind of talk about what's new with Daily Tech, let me know. Um, because this is kind of a work in progress, like Andy Minio would say. My wife's always like, you need to chill with the Andy Minio references. But for me, it's sort of like a running gag uh, because it's been in so many videos. And I do like Andy. I think more people should know about Andy. In fact, Will Smith just hopped on TikTok and used one of Andy's songs I saw for the background music for his first TikTok appearance, which is pretty cool. So uh, yeah, anyways, Andy Minio, like him, running gag, check him out. But let's talk about Apple and design because when you think about Apple, one of the things that you think about probably immediately is design because they're known for it. You look at their buildings, you look at the architecture, you look at the products, and you're like, Apple and design, they just go together. Now, they don't always make design choices that make everybody super happy, um, but they do make products that look really good. In fact, back in the Steve Jobs era, Apple was all about uh, making products that were clean and friendly and simple to use, especially emphasis on the simplicity and this, the ease of use. And so that's one of the things I've always liked about Apple. And it's typically one of the things when somebody 
isn't really into Apple, you oftentimes that is a person who really likes to tinker around and, and mess around under the hood. And that's sort of the opposite of the person um, that's attracted to Apple stuff. And I tend to be more hands-off when it comes to that kind of thing. Uh, I just want something to work. And it's one of the reasons that I like Apple and all the little thoughts and design details um, that Apple puts in. Here's a quote from Steve Jobs that I think is really relevant. I want you guys to absorb. Um, He said, it takes a lot of hard work to make something simple, to truly understand the underlying challenges and come up with elegant solutions. Uh, That was Jobs talking to Smithsonian Magazine a long time ago. And it's true. It's it's really true. It's super easy to add something, to add a feature, to green light something. And it's harder to say no and to focus and to ensure that your overall end goal and objective is met. It's hard to make something simple. And that's really where this discussion is going. We're talking about Apple and their attention to detail because they pay attention to details that you would never even think about. And we're going to get into some examples here that might blow your mind. There's some stuff that I found out about recently that I just couldn't believe and I had to go try it out. And sure enough, um, wow, I was blown away by how much attention to detail Apple actually pays. And so we're going to start with AirPods. Um, When you open an AirPods case and then click it shut, it's pretty satisfying. And it's not just an accidental uh, click or sound. Um, In fact, a lot of people end up using these just almost like a fidget spinner or toy because, uh, and I do this too, I sit there at my desk and just pop it open, close, open, closed, because it's so fun and it's satisfying. And uh, it is a good way to waste a little time while you're thinking about something uh, and kind of a little distraction, but it's fun. Um, But anyways, it's so satisfying for a reason. Um, It wasn't just like an accidental thing. And, And beyond that, if you think about how AirPods slip into their case, it gives you a nice little click when it goes in, Uh, when the two AirPods go in. And this is also by design. Um, The way that they twist themselves in and snap into place perfectly and the magnetic charger on the bottom uh, makes perfect contact with with the other end of the charger. This is all very intentional. So there's actually a good Johnny Ive quote about this. Even though he's moved on, his legacy lives on. Um, And he said, there is color and form and the overall sort of architecture But then those more difficult to define and concept behaviors like the noise of a click and the force of a magnet that draws something closed. I mean, for example, one of the things that we struggled with was the way that the case orients the AirPods as he put them in. I love those details that you've had no idea how fabulously we got that wrong for so long as we were designing and developing it. What he's saying is they worked really hard on the opening and closing and how AirPods fit into the case. So when you hear design and you think about AirPods, it's not just about the shape. It's about the experience, whether it's sound or ease of use. All of that stuff is something that Apple thinks about and takes into account. And I assume that they're going to continue doing that. I've had a great stable of designers that he was in charge of, and uh, Apple's design team is going to remain stellar. I'm positive. So AirPods are a a very great example of Apple and design. But something else that they continually nail is icons. And not just icons, but icons and animations. This next thing I'm about to tell you about absolutely blew my mind. I had no idea that they had gone to this extent. But if you look at the flashlight icon in your notification center, swipe down from the top right corner 
of your new iPhone and see the flashlight icon there and notice the position of the switch on the flashlight icon. And then hit the button and turn the flashlight on and you will see that tiny little switch moves. It changes from off to on. And when you turn it off, it turns off. I never noticed this until someone pointed it out recently. And that got me thinking, wow, if I don't even notice it when I'm using it, why does Apple even go to the trouble of developing something so detailed like that? And it's not just this kind of a thing either with the icons. In fact, I heard a long time ago, you probably did too, that Apple, and this goes back to Steve Jobs too, uh, would design their products to be beautiful on the inside, even though nobody was ever going to see that except for like iFixit. Uh, or I guess everyone on iFix's channel. <laughs> and that's probably exactly kind of why they would do that. But they care about stuff that even you're not going to notice or see. And that's pretty cool. That that really sets them apart from other companies. And kind of along the, the same lines, talking about icons in the notification center there, control center, uh, if you look at the night mode icon, which is a little crescent moon, when you tap that and activate it or deactivate it, you'll see that it actually turns into an eclipse. You get an eclipse animation. It's very brief. It's very subtle. But this is the kind of thing. In fact, Apple gets really crazy with their icons. If you go through the icons on your dock, uh, you'll notice some things. You'll notice Steve Jobs' glasses. Uh, There's some little Easter eggs um, in certain Safari icons. Um, Look around. Look up some articles. Um, It's a fun thing to delve into. As another example, let's talk about the Apple Watch. Um, When you, and this is an example of something that you wouldn't really notice. Although you notice it, but you don't think, wow, someone designed it until you think about it. And you're like, oh, wow, they did design that. And that's cool. Um, What I'm thinking about here is the Apple Watch strap. When When you change straps and you click it into place, that click is another thing like the AirPods case closing it's very satisfying and it it actually serves a purpose. It lets you know that your strap has arrived at its destination and it's going to be secure. Uh, But it's also just a satisfying click. I mean, that's going to be down to the materials used. um, And I can imagine the team went through all kinds of different iterations just for this one little detail. What other company do you know of that gets written up uh, and talked about in this kind of a way? that's this obsessed with design. I know there's others, they do exist, um, but it's really unique in the tech space. And it's funny because of course everyone copies everyone. Apple is not immune to copying uh, things too. Uh, They came out with dark mode on iOS long after Android, just as one example. But so many companies copy Apple's design. And so Apple actually ends up, if you think about it, designing stuff for the entire industry sometimes. I'm thinking about Huawei and their um, MacBook Pro lookalikes, for instance. Um, That's a great example. Of course, in the phone space, look at the shape of phones uh, over the last, you know, five, six, seven years. Um, And Apple really drove, I think, that shape. Obviously, they invented this new smartphone shape uh, with the first iPhone. Sticking with the Apple Watch, let's look at one of the Apple Watch faces. It's not one that I ever really use. In fact, I end up ignoring it along with the flower watch faces, but the jellyfish watch face. Um, if you've ever paid attention to that, it, it, maybe you don't remember. It's kind of got some blue. It's on a black background. The way that they put this together was really incredible. It's not CGI for one thing. Uh, it would have been very easy. And I think most companies definitely would have gone the CGI route just to animate 
the fake jellyfish, but Apple actually went to the trouble of building a tank with water for several species of jellyfish in a studio somewhere and shot the jellyfish at 300 frames per second. And they did something similar for um, the flowers uh, opening up and animating for the Apple Watch faces. So those aren't CGI either. But who else do you know would go to that much trouble, put the time and resources and energy into that? And, And then it ends up looking really great because it belongs on an Apple Watch face that has an OLED display. And with OLED, you get that uh, perfect black, that deep, dark, perfect black. And that black just meshes and melds and melts into the bezels of the Apple Watch. And so it's almost like it's just floating there and you don't even know that there's a bezel. So the whole process ends up being pretty incredible, <laughs> even though I don't know who, who uses the jellyfish. Um, I think I think my mom uses the flowers uh, watch face on her Apple Watch. So they must get used. Um, but wow, it's so much attention to detail for something a lot of people aren't even going to pay attention to. It's incredible. Uh, in this discussion about Apple and design, the last thing I really want to talk about as an example, and there's so, there's so many. I mean, there's so many, you just have to pick and choose. Um, but one of them is iPad gestures, the new gestures in iPad OS. So when you copy and paste, um, you use three fingers and you pick something up and you put something down to copy and paste. That was very intentional. Um, they could have come up with any random gesture combination for you to copy and paste, um, but they wanted to do something super intuitive and it comes out of real world living. When you pick something up and you put something down, um, that's the gesture that Apple decided to go with. And that's amazing. So I just want to wrap this section up by saying Apple has iconic design and there's a reason for it. It's not just because things look good. That would be missing the point. It's because there's so much attention to detail paid to things that, number one, other companies never would pay attention to um, on the whole. And number two, even consumers, Apple's customers, wouldn't really be paying attention to. Uh, that's So they go beyond people's expectations in the design department. And that is why the products tend to be so easy to use and intuitive and just work, which Apple is known for. Okay, let's talk about something that's really exciting, which is iOS 13.2, the beta. And there was actually uh, something that may have leaked within this beta. It has to do with AirPods. Um, this has happened before. And and people, press outlets, just comb through these betas looking for the smallest little things. And I'm glad they do. Um, I don't do it, if you're wondering. Uh, but people like Guy Rambo. Uh, is known for finding these fun little details. But uh, long story short, 9to5Mac found an icon related to AirPods, the next gen of AirPods, and it looks very different than the current version of AirPods. Now, assuming that this turns out to be a real detail, uh, a real leak, and I assume Apple didn't want people to know this (laughs) ahead of time, if it turns out to be real, Assuming it is real, though, I'm all for a change in design um, because things have to evolve. And the last several iterations of AirPods haven't changed all that much. I think people have been a little bit disappointed. Uh, It's like new AirPods are coming out, but, oh, they just basically have a wireless charging capability. You know, um, people are looking for a a refresh in the design, um, which became iconic, by the way, and people used to make fun of. But the big takeaway here is that they may feature interchangeable ear tips, it looks like. And 
I have mixed feelings about that if it turns out to be true because I actually like the plug and play nature of the current gen of AirPods. I like to be able to just pop them into my ear and for me they fit and I understand for a lot of people they don't. Um, and when I actually talked to Apple about this, um, they told me that they had done a bunch of research and measured a bunch of ears and they came up with something that would fit the majority of people. And that's probably true. You are only going to hear complaints from the people who it doesn't fit. And you're not going to hear as many things about, oh yeah, it fits me just right. You know, they're just not going to complain or say anything, but adding rubber tips that you could change out or foam or whatever, um, that would help solve the issue of AirPods not fitting every single person. So I could see why they would do that. And it would make sense on one level, but on the other level, I don't tend to like, uh, in-ear earbuds that have that foam, uh, foam or rubber. It's just not as comfortable for me. If you saw my Powerbeats Pro review, you saw that those didn't fit me too well. And the and now Apple owns Beats, obviously. So we're kind of encroaching on the territory that we're talking about here. If the Powerbeats Pro didn't fit my ear shape very well, it was actually very uncomfortable. Um, and I tried getting some comply foam, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, thanks to some recommendations from you guys. If you recommended that, thank you. There were several of you. And that did help, but it still wasn't super comfortable. So I don't really like that. And if that's the big change this year, I'm not sure that I'm going to be on board. And Apple actually might go <laughs> in the opposite direction. Potentially, they want to watch out for this, where they had the old AirPods fitting most of the people. And then now they're trying to fix that so that it can fit everybody. Um, but then the original people that it fit really well maybe won't like this new solution the way that they got around it. You know what I mean? But elsewhere in the code, we also found out something else about these potential new AirPods. And it was that there was going to be some new and different listening modes, multiple listening modes. And so one of the listening modes is going to be a focus mode potentially. And this would sync up with people maybe wanting some noise canceling AirPods. And of course, if you have those uh, tips, those rubber tips that may give you more noise isolation and just a better seal. It's going to seal out the outside noises a little bit better if that's the case. And so that is good. And then if you add noise canceling on top of that, um, then yeah, you may really have a great focus mode. I don't doubt it. And that's something I would absolutely love and welcome would be noise canceling AirPods. Now this information gleaned from the beta isn't the only information we have about new AirPods. Um, Ming Chi, I don't know how to pronounce it, that, but you've probably read about him a lot if you're an Apple fan. Uh, he has been saying, and he's very reliable traditionally, that new AirPods are coming out at by the end of this year, potentially, uh, if not early next year. But if they do, we could be seeing these already at an October event. The iPad Pro event uh, happened at the end on the 30th, I think, of, of the month, October, uh, last year. So, yeah. Uh, it could be like any time that we actually see these. It sounds like they're coming. It sounds like they're going to be different. The only question is, will I like them? Will you like them? And you can be sure that I will absolutely cover those here on the main channel, uh, youtube.com slash daily tech. So make sure you're subscribed. All right, let's talk about something that Bloomberg wrote about recently, which is the default apps that come pre-installed on your iPhone when you take it out of the box and whether or not that is giving Apple an unfair advantage when it comes to competing with third-party app developers. This is an interesting story, and it's something that's been developing as you've been hearing about 
um, tech companies and governments clashing uh, over antitrust type of situations. That definitely applies here, potentially. I want you to imagine with me real quick what an iPhone without any apps from Apple would look like. You take it out of the box and there's no apps on there. Uh, wouldn't be too cool of an experience, right? It would just be this piece of glass uh, phone that you took out and you would have to load it all up yourself. There's a convenience factor to having Apple's built-in apps already on there for you, whether it's mail or the Photos app, the camera app, whatever. And I want to point out that the first iPhone back in 2007 had Apple's apps preloaded on it and nobody said anything and nobody cared um, because they were just a natural thing to have on there and you needed them before there was the app store. Imagine that. No app store. It's hard to think about now. You needed those default apps. Now in recent years though, uh, the argument against Apple pre-installing all of their apps and making them defaults is that it's giving Apple an unfair advantage over the third-party app developers. Now, it's funny. We're not talking about Apple versus Android or, or Google or anything like that here. A different platform because, of course, Android phones do also come preloaded with plenty of apps. We're talking about Apple versus its own developer community. But here's an example. Um, Safari. When you get a new iPhone, Safari comes as the default web browser. And so... If you're a, a, a Safari competitor, if you've got something else, maybe you're the Brave browser, which is one that I really like on my Mac, by the way. Quick aside on that. I, the reason I use Brave is because as a YouTuber, I'm in YouTube all the time, and YouTube plays the best with Chrome. Brave is sort of built off the Chrome architecture, but instead of sucking up all your data like Chrome does, um, it's a lot more private. And they do offer a mobile app. I haven't really tried it yet. Um, but the big benefit for me is that I can still take advantage of all the Chrome plugins. So Brave. So if you're Brave and you're like, we want to expand onto uh, iOS, which I think they did, it's going to be hard to compete. This is what the argument against Apple installing their apps and making them default is. Um, because who's going to bother looking up Brave when Safari works and it's just right in front of your face? Now, here's an interesting stat for you. In 2007, the iPhone only came with, can you guess how many... Uh, pre-installed Apple apps? The answer is 17 pre-installed apps. And now these days, it actually comes with 38 pre-installed apps. Quite a jump. That's like a 50% increase, roughly. Now here's a quote from an article about this. Apple said new iPhones come with in-house default apps to create a seamless user experience while improving performance, battery life, security, and privacy. There you go. That's something you don't think about. Apple cares about the design details, and that includes user experience. Um, we just talked about all the details earlier. So if you choose not to use an Apple app, maybe you're going to get worse battery life, right? This is something people don't always think about. All right, it goes on to say, we have also created the App Store, the safest place to get apps, so customers can choose from millions of apps to find the ones that further enhance their iPhone. This is from a company spokesman. In the few categories where Apple also has an app, we have many successful competitors. I don't know exactly how to feel about this. Uh, I said this on Viper's uh, Friday Night Vipe podcast with Renee and a couple other people. Uh, shout out Renee, Telosa Tech, Viper. Um, and I said I didn't know what to think about it uh, because this isn't, I, I'm very much like you guys. I, I'm the consumer and I, I just enjoy using stuff. And I do enjoy using Apple's default programs for the most part. And for me, 
oftentimes it comes back to you, they just work. I tried so many different mail apps uh, a while back. Astro was my favorite. Um, it worked so well until it got bought, I think, by Slack or somebody and shut down. And that happened to, I don't know, four or five different email apps that I liked and tried. And so eventually I was just like, forget it. I'm just going to go back to Apple's mail app. Even though it doesn't have all the crazy features that I wish that it had, at least it just works. Uh, because whatever app I was using before, uh, it it was like crashing on me or something periodically or something. It didn't do something right. And so Apple's mail app is not perfect, but it does tend to just work. Uh, and that's often the experience for me with Apple's apps. They're kind of vanilla, sort of plain uh, for the most part, but they just work. And that matters. So I'm a little conflicted on this, uh, and I don't have like a concrete answer for you if you're looking for one about which way you should feel or think about the issue. Um, other than to say, I do tend to enjoy using Apple's apps, and I'm kind of an app enthusiast in the first place. When I got my new iPhone, I had to start over from scratch because there were so many apps on my old tennis Max that it was just getting ridiculous. And I realized I didn't use most of them. So I'm keeping it simple. And a, a lot of that for me is just defaulting back to Apple's apps because it does offer a good experience. I would be very interested for you guys to leave your comments and let me know what you think about this whole situation. But obviously, generally, the idea uh, with our government in general is that competition makes everything better. And I don't disagree with that. But, you know, you should point out too, like Google pre-installs a bunch of stuff, you buy a Pixel, right? Um, but of course, you can change all those defaults with Google stuff too. So yeah, let me know. Okay, I want to get into Microsoft here because they came out with some really interesting products uh, at their recent announcement. Um, and here's the thing. They are getting pretty ambitious when it comes to their industrial design. They're really coming out with some interesting, gorgeous looking products. I'm talking about the industrial design, not necessarily the software. I'll mention Viper again. As he said on Twitter, uh, these devices look great, something like this, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, Windows is still Windows. And I have to kind of agree there. This is a little tangent before we actually get into um, the devices and how interesting they are. I got a gaming PC recently. Uh, somebody sent it over. It's a nice machine. It, it costs a couple grand and has some cool features. The hardware, very powerful, very loud, very hot, but it does still run Windows. And I've been used to using Mac OS for so long that it felt very clunky to me. A lot of the stuff looked like it was straight out of like Windows XP almost. The title bars and menus and, you know, it sort of has like a fresh cut of paint, but it doesn't actually blow me away with the design. It's very utilitarian. And and by the way, opening up like the start menu and seeing a bunch of ads, that was not cool. So anyways, uh, you can have a really cool device and not necessarily have a great software experience to go with it. But I will say Microsoft is coming out with some really cool looking devices. So in particular, um, they're really pushing the Surface lineup and uh, that's become a big business. I don't know if you guys know this, but Surface revenue is up 23% year over year. It's up to $5.7 billion uh, yearly last year, which is a very small percentage of Microsoft's actual revenue, by the way. But Microsoft is really changed as a company uh, compared to what I think a lot of people think of when they think of Microsoft. They're really more of a cloud company and an enterprise company more than anything. And why that's important to this discussion is because they can now afford to do crazy things when it comes to hardware and take some chances and make some big bets. And if they don't pay off, it's not really a big deal because it's not really the big main part of their business. 
And that's actually a good place for them to be because now they can get to experimenting and maybe think about trying to make a real impact on the market versus their competition. And again, here we are back to competition. We just talked about this in the last segment, but competition makes everything better. And as someone who's generally very happy in the Apple ecosystem, it's great to see some competition rising up on the design front because Microsoft is doing some stuff that's not boring and it's good for them to come out and push Apple um, and other companies, Google, whoever, um, to do better and to not just stay stagnant and to move industries forward and create new industries and markets. So what Microsoft did at this event was, at least with the services, they launched some predictive kind of iterative updates, some safe updates, um, so that if you buy a machine, it'll be more reliable and and it's nothing crazy. It's nothing that's going to get them in trouble. And then they launched a couple of devices that are crazier. They're bigger bets and they are making people turn their heads and be like, what is that? Um, and not necessarily in a bad way. I think everybody, for the most part, the vibe I was getting from the people that were at the event and from the pictures that I've seen, it was like, wow, that is some cool looking stuff. I've never seen anything quite like that. And as a tech fan in general, which is what I consider myself, not just an Apple person, a tech fan in general, that's exciting to me. I think the device that was launched that is most interesting to me is the new Duo, um, which is kind of a phone. It's a folding phone, but unlike the Samsung Galaxy Fold, it's not like one big panel that actually folds in half. It's just like two screens that fold together. It looks like a very, 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 very miniature laptop. And it reminds me of stuff like PDAs from back in the day, your personal digital assistant, somewhere in between laptop size and like phone size. And they were called PDAs and they ran Windows and they were very interesting to me um, back in the day. It kind of reminds me of that. So it kind of gets me a little bit giddy. That said, uh, it's not going to be available for a whole year. Um, so that'll be interesting to see what all crops up uh, after the Duo has arrived on the scene. Microsoft did not put Windows on the Duo though, which is an interesting choice. It's going to run Android. Microsoft doesn't care anymore <laughs> what platform you're using. If it's Mac, if it's Android, if it's Windows, they don't care. They're agnostic towards everything. That's their strategy is just to be everywhere. And so it's just going to be interesting though to see Android on a Microsoft phone, basically. Although I'm pretty sure they're not actually classifying it as a phone. So I'll just say again, I'm really excited that Microsoft came out with these really interesting devices because it's going to push everything forward. I'll admit, like for me, some of the Apple products, they're around so long with iPhones. It's often three years before you get a totally new design refresh. Um, and MacBooks Pros have looked the same for how long. I wouldn't mind if Apple was a little bit more risky um, in their design choices. I don't think they're going to. It's very much ingrained in their DNA to be how they already are and to operate that way. But sometimes it feels like Apple moves almost too slow uh, compared to the competition who, and it's because they can. And so kudos to Apple for being able to do that. But the long and the short of it is if Microsoft fails completely with these two really crazy new devices, it doesn't matter. So that's good. I'm glad that they're out there developing it to push everything forward. And it's nice that they're in a spot where if these devices fail, it just doesn't matter because it's good for everybody. All right. Our last topic of the day, the tech topic is going to be on the Apple Watch Series 5, which recently came out and is having a bit of a moment in the sun for the wrong reason, for some battery life controversy. And what is basically happening is, I don't know if you've heard this or experienced it, but some people are not getting full day battery life with the new Series 5. Of course, the big thing with the Series 5 is that it has an always on display. 
which is great. And Apple said that they had solved any battery life issues and it was going to have the same battery life basically as a Series 4, even with the always-on display. And so everything was going to be optimized for that. Uh, watch faces were going to dim and have a secondary watch face for when you're not looking directly at it and all these different optimizations. But apparently for some people, it's not working out so well. Now, here's the thing. I got the Series 5 and I have not experienced these battery life issues so far. And so that's the number one thing. It's not something that's affecting everybody, but that's kind of the big deal here. If you buy one of these Apple watches, you don't know if it's going to be one that works exactly how you expect, or if it's going to be one that has the bad battery life issues. And so that's kind of a paralyzing thing. I would think if you're considering getting the new Apple watch. And so your issue is either get it, hope it gets fixed. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, or get it and turn off the always-on display, but then what's the point, right? You might as well just have gotten the Series 4 at a discount. So here's what Apple actually says for what you should be able to do with the Series 5, for instance. This is off their website. You should be able to do some mixed activity, including a 60-minute workout, and that should take you through 18 hours. Uh, and so outdoor workouts with GPS and LTE uh, should last five hours per charge. I mean, those are good stats. I'm totally fine with charging my Apple Watch every day. I'm used to it. It's part of the routine. I don't need it right now to be tracking my sleep uh, or to go, you know, three days. Like I said in my review or the buying guide, my life's not going to be better, really, if I have to charge every three days instead of nightly because I'm just used to charging it anyways. And I don't think I'd want to wear it while I was sleeping. You know what I mean? Now, somebody over at 9to5Mac said that they were getting consistently 12 hours from start to finish with their Series 5, not the 18, only 12. And so if they're up at 6 a.m., then their watch is dying by 6 p.m. And like I said, I, that's not the case for me. I sometimes get up at 4 in the morning, and by the time I'm you know, heading to bed at 9 or 10, no problem with my Apple Watch, usually. Depends on what I've done that day. And here's the thing. You can charge pretty quickly. You can go from 0 to 80% in about an hour and a half. And that's not bad. But the thing is, that doesn't fix this problem. It's not good enough to say, I'm going to get however many hours and then just charge it at supper time. Uh, if you're going to go out and do anything that night, you're going to want your Apple Watch with you. You don't want to have to charge. And in fact, if you have to charge your Apple Watch, something is wrong before you go to bed. Something is definitely wrong. No one should be having to deal with that. Not for how expensive this thing costs. Any smartwatch should not make you charge anytime during the day. Now, is it the always-on display that's causing this? Or could it be the new uh, noise levels app that's constantly has some animations going and monitoring the sound around you to say whether it's safe or unsafe? Um, those are both potential cul culprits, possibilities. What I'm hearing and what it sounds like is that maybe there's some hope that this is just going to be a bug, a software bug, and something that's fixable with an update. And if so, that would be great. And I think hopefully that's what's going to happen. I assume Apple will kind of issue a non-apology apology, like acknowledge that something happened and sort of apologize. It depends. With Apple, when something goes wrong, like with the keyboard, maybe they're going to admit it and maybe not. <laughs> so we'll see. But either way, hopefully it's just a software thing and gets fixed. Because the other thing that's not acceptable is if you just have to turn off you're always on display. Like I know I saw Marquez did that already because he wasn't getting the battery life he needed. And again, I'm glad I haven't had to do that, but that's not acceptable either. If you have to charge it before you go to bed, if you have to turn off the main new feature, that's the whole point of buying a Series 5 this year, it's just unacceptable. I don't know. So hopefully it gets fixed. I want to hear from you guys. 
if you are having any issues with this, hit me on Twitter at Daily Tech, spelled Daily T-E-K-K, or just leave me a comment if you're watching on YouTube. Let me know. Okay, three quick questions uh, to wrap this up. Uh, Melissa says, what is a good beginner's course for videography and video editing? It's funny, like thinking back, um, I think I learned how to do all this stuff just from YouTube itself and for searching for random videos. So, and this is definitely doable. If you start editing and you run into something, you don't know how to do it. You can probably just look it up on YouTube and find whatever you're looking for. Now, I assume you know that uh, and you're looking for something else. I guess I haven't tried this, but I saw that iJustine just came out if you go to the Mac app store and search for iJustine, she has a Final Cut Pro tutorial, which looks very detailed and in-depth. And she's been doing this for a long time. She certainly knows what she's doing. So I think even though I haven't tried it, I would probably recommend checking that out um, for the two people that you mentioned there, Melissa. Um, other than that, um, let's see, lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A, has been a resource that I've used a lot over the last decade um, they have great video tutorials and lessons and extra resources that go with things. So between YouTube and maybe iJustine's course and lynda.com, which does cost a little bit, uh, depends how much you want to invest here. I think those are probably your best bets. Okay, Marat says, why is the Apple Pencil not working on the iPhone screen? Um, that's an interesting thing to think about. I think that we will see that maybe as soon as next year, um, an Apple Pencil that works with the iPhone. Um, I think there's probably several reasons. Some of them are going to just be technical, um, working out how to get the Apple Pencil working on your iPhone for the price that people are willing to pay. That's certainly a factor. I think another factor though is probably demand, like how many people need that or want that. Because let's think about this. The Samsung Galaxy Note is out it has a big screen, has a built-in stylus. Not nearly as cool, I don't think, the stylus as the Apple Pencil, but it's compact and it fits within the phone. It's always with you. Now, if you're looking for a phone that works with the stylus, you have that option. And so Apple is probably looking at the, the stats at sales and saying, well, <laughs> how much demand actually is there for that? Because people vote with their wallets. If you really wanted a phone with a stylus, you could go out and get it. You could get a note. But I don't think sales for the iPhones are hurting so much that Apple has decided to put that feature in yet. But I do think it's something that's coming um, to the Pro models probably in the next year or two. And I hope it does because uh, that would be really cool. Now, the question is, what is that pencil going to look like? Is it going to be something, a new version that's just for iPhones that lives within the phone itself or can attach to it or something? Um, I think that's the real question. Apple wants to get it right and figure it out if they're going to do this. Um, and then also the question is, if there is a separate pencil, is it going to work with the iPads? Um, I don't know. This is the stuff that Apple's probably figuring out and figuring out the demand. Um, cause I think a lot of people would probably like that more than a triple camera system. I don't know. Um, so I'm with you. I want to see it. I do think it's coming, but maybe that's why just the, the demand hasn't been there yet. I don't know. Okay. Last thing, uh, Midwest guy says, name all the Starbucks coffees that you drink while you're doing your work. I can do that very easily. Let's see. There's nitro, uh, nitro, 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 and nitro. <laughs> uh, no, nitro is my go-to drink from Starbucks. I don't love Starbucks uh, philosophies necessarily, um, but I do like their coffee, the nitro. Nitro at other places is still good, 
But there's something about nitro at Starbucks. It's so smooth and so creamy. You get that head on top. Uh, and their cold brew tends to be good anyways. Their actual other coffee is I could, you know, take or leave. I tend to be more of a cold coffee drinker. I know a lot of people like to diss Starbucks because they think it's not really as good as like a craft coffee shop or something. And I won't argue there. But their nitro is really my favorite nitro that I've tried. So nitro usually powers me uh, through my work. Like today, I actually made a special trip to go out and get a nitro uh, before I recorded this. But I also like the cold brew. So cold foam cold brew tends to be pretty good. Um, Every now and then, I'll get an Americano, an iced Americano. It's my fallback drink. If I go to a coffee shop that doesn't have nitro or even cold brew, I'll get an iced Americano because it has more caffeine and and, uh, generally tastes a little better than just like a latte or something. I don't want too much milk in there. So hopefully that answers your question. Usually nitro, sometimes Americano, or some sort of cold brew at least. Cold coffee. That's my thing. Okay, I want to end this by talking about what music I've been listening to this week. New music, because people are always like, hey, can you give us a playlist or something? I haven't gotten there yet where I can share a playlist. Um, You know, I'm doing so much. Even making a playlist to share is a lot of work for me. Um, But, you know, I, I feel like... And I want to talk about like some motivation to get you through your next week. That's how I want to end these podcasts. Uh, because, you know, I built up this platform. Like, it would be remiss of me to not at least put out some kind of positivity um, and motivation to help other people out. And I want to leave you guys on a positive, hopeful, happy note. So um, I want to point you to the Social Club Misfits latest EP. It's called Doom. I love every song on there. Uh, like, anyways, or love some of them except for one. It's really good. It's a solid EP. It's like six tracks on there. And one of the tracks is called Enough. And some of the lyrics on there uh, talk about this. Lately, my prayers sound more like complaints. I'm trying to fight insecurity while balancing faith. Nobody ever changed the world by playing it safe when you're afraid is the only time that a man could be brave. And those lyrics are great. Really, really uh, reached out to me this week because... Um, even me as somebody who has almost 200,000 subscribers, and that's something we should have talked about at the intro of this podcast, um, for daily tech news, even somebody like me, um, you might think, oh, they got it all together and they got everything they need, but things can go wrong frequently. Even with, even with the business, it's rolling along for sure. There's nothing to complain about, but sometimes I'll make a video. I'll put so much effort and work into it. And then the YouTube algorithm decides no one's going to see this or, if that's not the case, because um, I don't want to just complain about it, maybe I just picked the wrong topic and you guys as subscribers just aren't interested and it feels like a big waste of time and it's easy to get like discouraged and be like, okay, well, maybe this is it. Maybe I'm not going to make any more hit videos or things that are going to be hot popular and you start thinking like, okay, well, am I going to take a hit to the bank account then or whatever? And, and uh, But here's the thing. At those times when things tend to get a little bit scary for you, whatever it is, it could be something a lot more serious um, than just making videos that people didn't want to watch. It could be like health-related scare or something. The times when things get scary, that's the only time when you can be brave and go out and make a big difference and take some risks. And sometimes you have to take a risk. You can't just play it safe. And so as you go into the next work week, I recommend checking out the entire doom ep it's great maybe you're not into rap but the lyrics are cool look at the lyrics 
And uh, I just want to encourage you to not give up. Don't lose hope. Uh, Go ahead and take a risk and put all of your effort into what you know how to do. And good things will happen. And I just want to say too, like everybody has struggles. It is, you look at, you know, YouTubers, you look at celebrities, like Casey Neistat said a while back, you know, like money solves money troubles, but it doesn't solve all your other problems, right? So just have some perspective um, and then just go out and be fearless and attack whatever problems are with you or are coming at you and do it while listening to the Doomy Bee. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for this podcast. So I'm going to sign off for now. Please do give me your feedback on Twitter at Daily Tag, spelled Daily T-E-K-K, down in the comments if you're watching on YouTube. Um, make sure to check out the, the description wherever you're at because there's going to be some good helpful information down there for you. And I'll catch you guys in the next video and or podcast. Later. Welcome to the other party out of vibe. Well, you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party out of vibe. Well, you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Since all 12 are giving you the heat, the reviews from Chris you gotta see. Daily tech got the facts that you need, and it's a whole crew you gotta meet. After party, it's the place you gotta be, and you can't really beat it cause it's free. Trying to give you unbiased critiques, quality you should take it from me. Cause we care about the customers, pull up a seat, got a whole team, giving you the best and do it by any means. Brand new Mac and know it's looking clean. It's the after party, live from the models. Wanna cop some, shouldn't be a doubt about it. Looking for great reviews, then you found it. Connecting with the fans, hope you get a lot out of it. Yo. Welcome to the other party, out of vibe. Well, you know we get a little come alive. And you know we got a light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party, out of vibe. Well, you know we get a little come alive. And you know we got a light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah.